welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the episode. So glad that you're here. I'm always so glad that you're here. I am assuming you're here um, <laughs> for another episode of the podcast. I started a little spinoff last week, so uh, if you have not listened to Destination Date, I don't know how much I'm going to do that little spinoff, but a lot of you asking about my foray into dating, so why not, you know? Why not talk about it? The The thing about it is now I want to go on dates just to get podcast material, which takes some of the pressure off and makes it actually seemed like a lot more fun to go on a date, um, which is actually the attitude I need to have anyway, because, you know, once you meet that person that you're with forever, you're done dating and you don't ever get to do it again. So I should really enjoy it because I have not done much dating in my life. So if you haven't checked out Destination Date, there's one episode I plan to add to it um, as I have material. I don't plan on only talking about the crazy weird things on dates. Um, I plan on talking about the nice things too. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have some guests on there and maybe we'll just dig in a little bit deeper. I've always kind of wanted to have a podcast um, or some things like a podcast, Kristen After Dark, and talk about relationships and um, intimacy. And I have a lot of very unique opinions and views on relationship and male-female dynamic, monogamy, and a lot of those things. And so... You know, at some point, maybe when I just have so much spare time, I'll start that. But in the meantime, you can keep up with my dating life there on Destination Date. So I'm not going to be talking about it quite as much on this regular podcast because this regular podcast isn't all about dating. It's about life, lifestyle, weight, nutrition, self-love, transformation, all that stuff. So I was in Minnesota last week. It was really a great trip. Um, I did a podcast there um, about... About my relationship with Randy, a lot of questions came in. A lot of people said, uh, like, wow, they'd always wondered what happened with me and Randy, and you know, I never addressed it. The thing I try to do on my Instagram and my social media, and even on this podcast, is not get into too. I didn't used to get into too much in depth detail about my personal life, and um, uh, and I think I've delved a little bit more into it recently, but you know, with an actual long-term relationship, I just didn't feel like it was something I wanted to talk about. And so talking about that breakup, I got a lot of responses, uh, several dozen saying, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you finally explained it. I was so confused when you and Randy weren't together anymore. So um, if you two are curious about that, take a listen to that uh, podcast. So Randy loves that he got to be on the podcast and that I talked about it. Um, he's a um, he's a, my biggest fan. So I'm um, really, really grateful for that. Uh, Minnesota was great. It was cold. Um, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand how it can be so different. You get on a plane for three and a half hours and it's like you're in a different world. And um, I came home and it wasn't super warm when I got off the plane, but it was um, 68 degrees, I believe. And it was just, it was the best. Um, I got to the airport and, uh, 
I, I don't drink much. It's very rare that I drink, but I was tired and I had a long flight ahead and just, I don't know, I kind of wanted to, to chill out on the plane. So at the airport, I went to the Chili's and I had margaritas and uh, that was a really good decision because then I got on the plane. I had a whole row to myself. I was able to tip over <laughs> and just sleep the entire flight. I woke up at the end when I heard, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting our final descent into Miami. And then I, I turned on the little TV on the seat ahead of me to see that uh, the LA Rams had won the Super Bowl. So I didn't have to watch the whole thing. I just, it was the perfect little nap. So it was great. But before I got on the plane, a uh, really lovely, really lovely day. Um, I got to see my brother for lunch. I, when I was in Minnesota, I saw my sister for lunch and got to go to her office, which was really fun. Um, I've talked about it here before. My sister and I spent, um, we've spent the better part of the last couple of years kind of trying to be, trying to have a relationship and failing. Um, just a lot of conflict. Um, didn't really speak a whole lot. Very, very estranged. Um, and all of that was resolved recently. I talked about that in a previous podcast. And so to go to Minnesota, go to lunch with her, go see her office and spend time with her was just so delightful. Um, I just, I missed, I missed her with everything in me while we weren't really close. And, um, it just, it was a, it was a source of agony in my heart. Like, um, and so to be able to see her sit across the table from her, have a meal, laugh, just look in each other's faces. You know, when, when I had seen my sister before, kind of off and on when things were awkward, there wasn't much eye contact. There wasn't a lot of looking at each other in the face and sitting across from her at the table. I was just struck at how beautiful she is. Her eyes are just stunning. And there was just no tension between us. There was just there was just peaceful flow of energy. Love was flowing. And um, we both, I believe, have grown so much and learned so much in the last couple of years um, through fire. Um, I say many times, um, when you've been through fire, it changes you in, for the better, for the good. And so when you're suffering, if you suffer, if you go through hard things, um, it purifies you. If you let it, it makes you more beautiful. And my sister most definitely has allowed the difficulties that she's had to face uh, to beautify her. And I'm so proud of her. And I could just see it. And it was wonderful. So got to see her, and the, which was just amazing. And then I got to see my brother um, for a meal before I left. Um, and just catching up, chatting. I don't know. Like My siblings are amazing human beings. I... I love and appreciate them more and more the older I get. You know, I'm the baby. I'm the youngest. They went before me. There was a lot of, there's just a lot of story that I think we all have had about each other and about our growing up. And I'm really, I'm really just super blessed to have amazing siblings. And my brother is just, he's really funny. He is incredibly loyal. He's one of the hardest working humans I've ever met. Um, he's been through, <laughs> when I say fire, it's a cap, all capital letters. He's been through fire and, um, he has found the power to forgive, to let go, to love, to spin around and look at things from the seat of the people who have hurt him. 
and to show up because he knew it was the right thing to do. I, I can't think of anyone on earth that I have more respect for than my brother. And so I got to sit with him and have a meal. And then he has never been a touchy-feely person because, well, nobody in our family really has been. Our family is not. And I love you family and a hug family. And it's just never happened. We're getting better at it. Um, but especially my brother, he would just, <laughs> he would say, in jest sometimes, but I mean, for a long time, seriously, like, don't touch me. Um, most of my life growing up, I'd walk in a room see my brother and you know my little girl heart like there's my big brother like me like me like me and I look at him and he would just either say like what are you looking at or I'd say I'd ask him a question and his response was for years what you writing a book such a jerk (laughs) like hi where did you go what you writing a book but it didn't deter me. Anyway, so he doesn't like to be touched. And he used to always say the only person who's ever hugged me is grandma, grandma Mabel. Well, when we were leaving, I was very sad to walk away from him because I just love him so very much. And so I said that I'm like, can I hug you? And he hugged me. I got to hug my brother and he hugged me back. And I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time in my life I've ever hugged my brother, um, or my brother's ever hugged me. And, um, I am still just ecstatic is the best. I'm telling you guys, my family has had so much growth, love, forgiveness starting over in the past um, few months. I'm so proud of of all of us. And um, just again, I will say if there are rifts in your family, it's so easy to say it, but it's so worth it to try. Get in there and try again. Get in there and try to understand, try to love, try to forgive, try to fix it because When the love can flow, there is no greater joy than the love flowing between people that matter in your life. And um, it's it's like a Christmas miracle as I'm sitting next to my Christmas tree in February. (laughs) It's Christmas and Valentine's every day at the beach and I'm sitting by a Christmas tree and a giant Valentine's Day balloon. So those are there and they're staying. Um, so anyway, so that was lovely. It was so fun to come home, um, to warmth after what an amazing epic trip. When I first got to Minnesota, I was in, I was in kind of a funk, really, really just a tough, tough mental space, really dealing with just some emotions and just a lot of stuff. And every moment that I was in Minnesota, it just resolved more and more and more until I finally, when I came home, I was just fully restored and it was right on time. So, and then it was Valentine's Day, and I decided that I was going to make some balloon, um, some balloon art, some balloon flowers for some of my favorite people. And so, um, I did that, and I had coffee with my friend Mandy, and I made her some balloons. And then there's the baristas that work at the Starbucks on the second floor of the Publix grocery store, and they're amazing. They're always so nice. The service in there is crap. Like they're nice. They're really slow, but they're nice people. And um, they could, they just deal with a lot. And there's a lot of people who um, are experiencing homelessness that come up there and spend a lot of the day there. They charge their phones. Um, my favorite uh, woman who lives um, behind the Walgreens, Ellen, she has a shopping cart. And she has all of her possessions, most of her possessions in the shopping cart. And she goes up to the Starbucks and she sits and she sketches and draws. She's um, an amazing artist, pencil drawing. And uh, she sits up there, listens to her radio, um, draws, has some food. Um, and there's a lot of people there that are there all day. And the baristas are so kind to them. 
They don't shoo them out. They love on them. And that means a lot to me. These people have become a really big part of my life here and my heart. I love, love, love these hearts and souls that I see that are living out on the beach. And um, so I wanted to go and make some balloon flowers for the baristas. And then I was hoping to find Ellen because I just love her. And I wanted to make her a flower. And sure enough, she was sitting there drawing. And so I was able to make her a big, beautiful balloon flower. Balloon twisting has become just so much fun for me. And then I made... um, I asked the baristas what their favorite colors were, and I started making them balloons. Well, there were a lot of women up there um, in the Starbucks just hanging out together, having coffee together. And so I started making them for everyone that was watching. And so um, it was so much fun. I spent a couple of hours in Starbucks making balloon flowers, balloon animals for kids that came through. And um, so much so that my fingers... Um, got sore and were bleeding because of twisting so many balloons. But it was so much fun. And um, that's how I spent my Valentine's afternoon, just loving the way that I know how. And it was so much fun. And the baristas loved it so much that they gave me a giant Valentine's Day balloon. And it was super windy on Valentine's Day. So I was walking back to my apartment with this giant balloon blowing like crazy. Um, I was wearing all pink because, you know, it was Valentine's Day. And I'm just like, people must think like, who on earth is this crazy clown? But it was wonderful. Earlier in the morning, I had gone down to do boot camp down at 21st Street and nobody came to work out. And I wasn't super mad because it gave me a little extra time. And so I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I got some hot coffee and I got the last of their donut holes. They were out of donuts. I'm assuming lots of people were bringing donuts on Valentine's Day, but... I was able to come back and bring donut holes and coffee to the, my uh, friends there that live at 21st Street on the beach. And, um, and by the way, I really try hard not to call them homeless people. It's just such a benign um, term. It's like they're not even human. Um, they are people. They just happen to live at the beach. They don't have homes. They are experiencing homelessness, uh, but they're not homeless people. Um, and that hurts my heart when I even forget and say it or I hear it. They're not just homeless people. They're, they're people. They're my friends. And I just, I love them. And um, so Monday morning, I came back with the coffee and the donuts and um, was talking to them. Um, there's Chris. There's Chico. Chico said, when I get my money right, can I take you to dinner? And I said, absolutely. So Chico, hopefully get your money right. You can take me to dinner. It will be an honor. I'm excited. Um, And he also wants me to become rich and famous so that I need a bodyguard because he wants that job. And he will totally have that job if that happens. So anyway, um, there was a guy there. I had him up before. He had, uh, he just got out of prison. He said a a few days ago, I'm not sure when, but he said that he'd been in and out of prison for um, 30 years and that he really wanted to stay out this time. He said, it's really hard. He's like, parole, it's hard. Uh, you know, you got to find a payphone. You got to call, um, which that's a whole other topic. But it's really difficult um, for a lot of these people to simply meet the requirements of parole because they're, you know, they're they're pretty rigid for a good reason. But um, regardless, he really wants to stay out. And so he had a, a backpack of some of his possessions and um, he was drinking coffee with us and he gave me the most beautiful necklace. It's just a very simple um, design, but it's a, it's a whole chain of these beautiful Swarovski crystal type um, gems on a, on a chain. It's so beautiful. 
catches the light. It looked really good with my pink outfit. And I got to wear it all day and I've been wearing it. It's so beautiful. And I was like, this, surely this is worth something. I don't want to take it from you. And he said, no, 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 no. I want you to have it. I want you to wear it. You're our, uh, you are our honey bun angel is what one of the other men had said. So, so sweet. So Valentine's day, here I am. I'm a single girl in Miami. I go to the beach in the morning. I got the most beautiful jewelry. I mean, really, we're not talking this is a piece of crap thing like he found. Um, This is a beautiful necklace. Gave it to me. Um, I got this big, beautiful Valentine balloon. And I got to talk to some of the most just lovely people um, while I made them balloon art. I did find Ellen, and she gave me some sketches that she had drawn. She asked me to pick out my favorite one. And so I took one, um, this girl named Chloe, who... She said she always wore fake eyelashes. So this sketch of this girl, this is big eyelashes. It's really cute. So what a lovely way to just love and be loved. I felt very loved. So, and then the funny thing, when I came back to my building, I went into the package room and I made a flower for um, the girl sitting there, a, a pretty balloon flower. And later I got a phone call from her. She said, um, there's a man who lives here on the 33rd floor. He's asking if, if he can have your contact info because I told him that you made this flower balloon and he's a balloon twister. I'm like, yes. So there's a balloon twister in the building. There's actually two of them. And so I got to meet him and see his balloon designs. We met, we had a little balloon twisting party. He showed me how to make, um, the raisin twist, uh, and uh, one other twist. I forget the other one. Um, but anyway, so I have a balloon twisting mentor in the building. I mean, there aren't many people who, bal- who balloon twist, but there happen to be three of us in this building. So, so excited I'm going to get better at balloon twisting. So that was my Valentine's Day. So much love. So much happiness. Uh, this girl's heart is full. So I'm going to talk today about some of the things that I do in my lifestyle. So I'm a weight loss coach, mindset coach. I run group coaching programs where I teach nutrition, um, mindset, all the skills needed to change your eating habits, change your workout routine, change your relationship with yourself so that you can be successful in whatever you want to accomplish, but specifically in the mind-body space. And so I'm often giving examples of ways to get protein in, ways to view food, ways to handle social situations, just a lot of strategies. And I often tell the group, this is what I do. And so it was suggested to me that I kind of talk more about all the things that I do. Um, I used to be 400 pounds. I've lost 250 pounds. Um, I keep my weight stable. I'm a bodybuilder now. I work out. I do a lot of things. And maintaining my weight is something that um, I keep it pretty locked in. My weight does go up and down based on now what I'm doing with bodybuilding. But, um, you know, I've been successful at losing weight and keeping it off and living a healthy lifestyle. And that's something that is um, on the to-do list for a lot of people. And it's, I don't do everything perfectly. And what I do is not the answer for everyone. It might not serve anyone else but me. But I thought it would be a good idea to kind of talk about some of the things that I do in my life and my lifestyle that may be um, helpful for you to hear and to possibly implement. So 
The first thing that I find out when I, when I take on new clients and when I start groups um, is I find out what people are eating. And 90% of the time, 100% of the people that I encounter are not getting nearly enough protein in their diet. This is the number one thing that I address with all of my nutrition clients and everyone in my um, groups. It's a, it's a very common topic once people decide they want to turn their weight and health and fitness around um, because it's a, it's a really critical factor in having a healthy body. So protein... Um, I've talked a lot about it here on the podcast and um, kind of what your what your goal should be to aim for um, protein content in your day. But ultimately, it's a lot more than most people gravitate to. America is a carb-heavy um, diet, the standard American diet, very carb-heavy. Um, carbs are cheap. Carbs are quick. We eat a lot of to-go foods, on-the-go, um, convenience foods. And most of those foods are carbohydrates, uh, simple carbs, junky garbage carbs, um, and sometimes decent carbs. But it's just um, carbs are cheap. Corn is really cheap and corn syrup and just all the garbage, fake food, packaged foods. It's cheap to make. It's cheap. There's a big uh, margin on it and it's easy. So most people, it's not like a character flaw, but it's just what happens. It's cereal for breakfast. It's sandwiches for and wraps for lunch. You know, dinner is pasta or pizza, potatoes, French fries, you know, a burger on a bun with fries. It's, oh, I'm getting protein in the burger. Yeah, but there's a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of fat. So there's then this thing of, oh, well, carbs are bad. Don't eat carbs. Um, so we go keto and we eat all this fat and fat and protein and then we cut carbs. And there's just a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of just confusion on how to eat. So the first thing that I tackle with all of my clients is to get protein in their diet. It's really important. And um, invariably, the question comes back in a week or two, I can't hit my protein number. How on earth am I supposed to do this? I need help. I need ideas. And so um, it does take some practice and it takes in being intentional about getting your protein in. So there are a lot of protein sources, obviously animal products, dairy products are protein. Um, if you're vegan or vegetarian, it's a little bit more of a challenge. Um, I have some vegan and vegetarian clients and people in my groups. It's tough for me because I very vehemently, um, powerfully disagree with a vegan um, diet. And so it's hard for me. I don't tell anybody what they have to do. Um, I won't argue it, but um, you know, it, it's hard for me because I, I just, I firmly, I firmly, I couldn't be more firm that I believe it's a terrible, awful, deficient, nutritionally void way to eat. So that's my opinion. And uh, lots of people disagree with me and that's fine. But it's still possible to get adequate protein if you're a vegan. I have, or, so, and I know vegan or plant-based, they're, they're inter, not interchangeable terms, but um, one of my friends, one of our boot camp coaches and a girl in my program, she's vegan, she gets her protein in. So it's definitely possible, but how? So I have lots of analogies that I use in my own life and in all the things that I do because logic helps me in making decisions. Um, food can be very emotional. 
and decisions can be very emotional when it comes to food or movement. And so for me, taking emotion out and making it logical is how I can do the things I need to do. So with protein, I have to kind of play a trick with myself. I need to eat more protein than I would normally gravitate to, and most people do, especially if you're used to eating a standard American diet. So the lie that I tell myself is I can only eat protein. The only thing I'm allowed to eat is protein. I pretend every single day when I wake up, the only thing I'm allowed to eat is protein so that I search my mind and I search my options for the protein. Um, So in the morning, it's egg whites or eggs, maybe some Canadian bacon. And once I know that that's what I'm going to eat, then I think, okay, I can have a little bit of carbs and fat. Now, I usually balance them out, so I'm eating um, an appropriate amount of carbs and fats. But by making myself choose the main thing I'm eating be protein, I know I'm getting that in. So that's my little trick of mind. Every time I eat, I tell myself it has to be protein. And most of the time that is what I grab for. Sometimes I will just have oats or something, but I like to say that protein is your outfit. So if you get ready to leave your house, you would never go outside naked with just shoes and a handbag and a necklace. That's what it looks like when we sit down to a plate of just carbs or just fat. So if you sit down, you're like, I'm just going to have an avocado with salt on it. That's just fat. That's like walking out the house naked with just shoes on. Or if you sit down and say, I'm going to have some pasta with some tomato sauce, that's just carbohydrates. You may as well just put a hat on and walk out buck naked. Um, you, Where's your protein? Protein is the main star of every single uh, eating event in your life. It should be. So if you're going to have a, you know, an avocado, maybe you need to have a chicken breast first or with it. If you're going to have that pasta with tomato sauce, cut that portion down, put some steak with it put some chicken with it, maybe have, um, I don't know what else goes with, you know, some Italian sausage, some kind of protein. So that's a trick that I always do in my head. I have a lot of these things where I make a rule for myself um, and then um, I have a little door I open once I've met the rule. So that's one thing that I do. I do weigh and measure all of my food for the most part. I like to use my food scale. I like to um, use it in reverse So instead of like, so if I'm going to put salad dressing on a salad, I don't want to use a measuring, a tablespoon measure. I don't want to dirty it. So I'll do one of two things. If my bowl is too big to fit on the food scale, which often it is, um, I put the salad dressing on the food scale and I zero it out. Then I pour however much I want on my salad. Then I re-measure by putting that bottle of dressing on the scale and the negative number, negative however many grams, that's how much I have just used. Um, With peanut butter, I will take off a knife and put it on the plate and put the whole thing on the scale and zero it out. And then I'll grab peanut butter with the knife and then just set it back on my plate or on my um, whatever I'm eating. That way, I'm measuring the addition of the peanut butter and I can just lick the knife. So if that makes sense. Um, Otherwise, you're scraping that knife off and resisting the urge to lick it if you're being super vigilant on how much you're you're actually weighing and measuring for your peanut butter. So things like that are tips that I do. I love, love, love to use the food scale so that I don't have to use measuring devices. And then I log that food. So that's another thing that I do. 
Another thing I do uh, for my protein is I buy rotisserie chicken. I debone it, I take all the meat off, put it in the fridge, um, throw the carcass away. That's faster and easier for me than food prepping chicken. Um, if I do food prep chicken, I put it in the air fryer. I often will put it in there frozen and um, just to get it going, put it in there on very low heat and then it gets thawed. Then I use kitchen shears and like scissors and I cut it into pieces, put it into the air fryer and then cook it from there. Um, often when I cook that chicken, I will use um, a thermometer and I will undercook it slightly. So it needs to be 165 to be done. So I'll cook it to about 160 and then I put it in the fridge. And that way when I heat it up later to eat it hot with some no sugar added barbecue sauce or some salsa, um, it'll finish cooking that little bit and it won't end up being tough. So that's one of my things that I do. Um, I also have a lot of rules around food that have served me very well, um, especially when I travel. So when I travel, I always come up with a plan for that specific trip. How do I want to deal with my food? Depending on where I'm going or what I'm going to be doing, I want to have a plan in place. So this last time when I went to Minnesota, the most important thing for me was that I didn't eat any junk food and I didn't eat anything that made me feel sick or bad because I wanted to get my lifts in. I was having group meetings. And I wanted to show up with energy. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel bad. And so my number one rule was that if I ate anything outside of my plan or went over my calories, it needed to be protein or fat or something healthy. So um, I ordered miso soup at dinner, something I normally wouldn't eat, but it wasn't junk food. So I was able to eat that and enjoy that. It was a little bit outside of what I would normally eat. But as long as it wasn't French fries or potato chips, or junk food, um, I allowed myself to have it. Had some sushi rolls, something I normally wouldn't have in my normal daily life um, on a Monday, <laughs> um, but something delicious and I could have. So that rule for this trip was really important for me. Other times, like when I went to Rio, my rule was I could have anything that I wanted. I, I was in a different country. I just wanted to try things. I wanted to eat things. I didn't want to count. I didn't want to measure. It was just a week and I decided I was going to eat whatever I wanted to eat and I just wasn't going to eat sugar. That served me really well so I could eat and try all of the things that were um, you know, unique to the region. So I'll do that too um, when I'm invited to go out to dinner here. I'll make a decision, all right, um, is this a place that I can never... Um, they have things I can't make at home. Is there food here that's unique? Is it food that I really love? If it's a restaurant I'm not that excited about, but I'm going to because it's an event and I'm going to be a part of an event, um, I'll be like, well, there's, I mean, there's no reason that I need to eat something special. It's not really amazing food here or it's expensive. I'll eat before I go of my normal food. And when I get there, I'll order a salad or I'll order a side of veggies or I'll order something like shrimp cocktail, which is high protein, low calorie. So just because you're invited to go out to dinner doesn't mean you have to eat a full meal there if it's not your favorite. Like if I was invited to go to Olive Garden because it was someone's birthday, I would go, but there is no way in hell that I'm going to eat food at Olive Garden because I ate at Olive Garden 7,000 times more than any human being ever should when I was married to my first husband who only liked Olive Garden. I'm never eating food there again. The end. So I'll still go 
and I'll just eat before and maybe I'll get like a cup of like soup or just have, I don't even know. I don't even know if I would eat anything um, because it doesn't matter. Just because I'm there doesn't mean I need to order a piece of lasagna and Alfredo and eat something I don't care about, I'm not excited about. We don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. It's just food. And remember that the reason you're gathering when you're gathering at something like that is not about the food. It's about the event or the person that's being celebrated. And so that's one one thing that's helped me a lot is I don't have to eat. And I don't have to eat the things that are popular when I go to a restaurant. It's my body, it's my money, and it's my experience. I don't like spending money on food that isn't amazing. If I want really amazing food, I'm going to get really amazing food and I'm going to feel good about spending my money on it. So sometimes zooming out and looking at these things logically really helps. I I have clients that say I have a lot of anxiety. I got invited to this party and there's going to be all this food there and there's going to be dessert and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to have fun if I'm not eating those things. And so the question is, well, why are you going? Well, I want to be a part of the event and I want to see the person or I want to celebrate. Okay, that's why you're there, period. If you had surgery in the morning and you were not allowed to eat for 24 hours before a life-saving surgery, you'd show up at that event and you wouldn't eat. You, would, you wouldn't eat. And you'd, there's a purpose for it. So find a purpose, find a reason, and say, how do I want to show up? Do I want to go balls to the walls and eat all the things? Or if not, I don't need to. It's just food. It's just food. So that strategy has helped me a lot. It doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work at every um, occasion, but that works for me. Another thing um, that I talk about a lot with my um, people in my group and my coaching clients for food is um, grocery shopping. So what works for me is I don't go to the grocery store very often. If you have a way to order your groceries online and have them delivered, it saves a lot of anxiety and angst in the store of making decisions and not buying foods that now they're on an end cap. They're in a shiny, bright package. They're on sale. Buy one, get one. And now you weren't thinking about getting Oreos and Chips Ahoy, but they're buy one, get one free. Um, And that's a really good deal. And they have a special edition They have a special edition Oreo. Oh my gosh, never tasted it. What do you do? Now you're making this decision. Now you're feeling bad if you walk away saying, it's not fair, I don't get to eat Oreos. Or you're saying, oh, it's fine, I'll buy them, I'll only eat one. And then, you know, we know what happens. If you're not at the store, you don't see it. You don't have to make the decision. You're not tempted. You don't think about it. You order the things that you want to buy. They're delivered to you. You're not faced with those marketing tactics. Really, really helpful. So if you have a way to shop online, have food delivered, I use Instacart. Instacart's amazing. It's $9.99 or $14.99 a month, I believe, for unlimited delivery of groceries. Um, It's super slick. So that's another thing that I do. But overall, what I do, if you must know the overarching theme of what I'm talking about, is I constantly make decisions ahead of time about what I want my outcome to be and how I can make life fit with what I want. Because ultimately, if you have a goal, if you have a goal ahead, if you wanna lose weight or have a certain physique, or if you wanna lose weight, if you wanna keep your weight off, if you wanna live a healthier lifestyle, you have to make decisions about what your life is going to include 
what your food is going to include, what your fooding occasions, fooding, what your food occasions are going to look like. And you have to decide. And so what I have to do and what you, I believe everyone has to do if you're going to live a healthy lifestyle is you have to decide how you want to show up and make everything else fit with what you want. So that's like, you know, if you, you're going to go out to dinner, you decide what that's going to be like. What do you want? Do you have a goal? Do you have a macro limit? Do you have something you're working towards? Well, then that food event, getting invited to that dinner, it has to fit with what you already want. And maybe that isn't the case. Maybe there's nothing coming up. You know, this last summer when I did some traveling after I did my bikini competition, I could gain some weight. I needed to gain some weight. I wasn't working towards anything specific for a while. So when I traveled or I went to different places, I had different food rules. I had different experiences with food because I could form my experience with those things according to what I wanted. And so ultimately what I do is I decide over and over again, sometimes daily, but usually weekly, monthly, what am I working towards? What do I want? And how do I need to show up? And how do I need to craft experiences that fit what I want? Because life is always going to throw curveballs. Life is always going to include unexpected stress, opportunities, celebrations, devastations. We don't get to decide what's coming up. And we cannot live our life reacting to those things, putting our goals and what we want on the back burner every time something is dynamic. If we do that, we don't get anything we want because life is dynamic. And if we, if we all should have learned by now, it's that there's a surprise around every corner and life is crazy unpredictable. So if you want something, you have to find a way to make it happen on a good day, on a bad day, good week, bad week, tired, depressed, stressed. So many times we say, oh, when life calms down, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. When things calm down, or you know what, after the wedding, after the holidays, after this big work event, after my birthday, after my trip, well, life is a series of weddings, trips, birthdays, holidays, summer, winter, kids growing, kids sports. I mean, it doesn't stop. And so if we're always saying, when this happens, I will, a a lot of us never will. We never do. So what I do and what I try to continually preach from my little soapbox is you have to decide what you want. You have to decide if you're willing to get it. And you have to decide that you're going to respond to life and make it work with what you want and not let life determine what you get period. And it's it's not easy. It's not easy at all to sit at a table with people having fun with food and not caring and making decisions based on whatever it is that they're after and be the only person who's making a decision that isn't fun, that isn't celebratory, you know, to eat the salad while people are eating the french fries. And I'm not saying you have to do that every time to live a healthy life, but sometimes you may find to get what you want, you have to make those choices. You have to use the food scale. You have to be a little obsessive about things. And it's either worth it to you or it's not. But if it, it's really something that you want, what you have to do is make life bend to what you want. And that is overall the main thing that I do, that I try to do.
that I am unashamed to continue to try to hone and tweak and make work. And the lovely thing is, because life is so dynamic, our rules, our choices, what we're working for, those things can be dynamic as well. We don't have to adopt a food plan or a way to deal with certain um, experiences and do it that way forever. I don't have to go out to dinner for the rest of my life and eat salad. But, you know, if I'm prepping for a bodybuilding show, then on those occasions, yeah, when I go out to eat, I'm going to have to choose something that fits my plan and it might just be salad or something really boring. But other times it may not be the case and I can go all out and I can have the most decadent thing on the menu because... I get to choose and life life is dynamic and we can either make that fact our friend or our enemy um but whether it's a friend or an enemy it's a fact so that's the main thing that I do and I encourage you to start thinking about life that way to say you know what I want something and I'm gonna find a way to get it and events and circumstances will have to bend to me instead of me flexing to those events. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.